I want to talk to you about Moses, no, Joseph today. And um, I'm, I've entitled my message this morning, God, I Don't Understand. And if anybody in the history of mankind could ask that question, God, I don't understand, or, or, or pray that prayer, God, I don't understand, it's Joseph. Joseph was a man who had dreams given by God, had a rich relationship with the Lord, and yet for the very first part of his life, it looked like God was nowhere around. And you know, there's a lot of people that have a very, a very childish, perhaps even an immature view of the way that God works in their life. Listen to the, this um, article I, f- I found um, from the magazine Der Spiegel, and it reports this. A, Roman, a Romanian convict doing time for murder tried to sue God. You thought America was bad. <laughs> this Romanian convict tried to sue God for breaking the contract that they had made at his baptism. And he was suing God for not doing enough to protect him from Satan. Pavel Marcia, who was serving a 20-year sentence for murder, filed a lawsuit in the western Romanian town of Timisoara against God for not protecting him from the devil. He claimed that he had concluded a contract with God at baptism, but God had not kept his side of the bargain. Says Merchia, he was supposed to protect me from all evils. Instead, he gave me to Satan, who encouraged me to kill, he claimed. Imagine using that in a court of law. It's not my fault. The devil made me do it. And God wasn't there helping me. Merchia claimed that God had not fulfilled his side of the contract. Because God accepted prayers and accepted sacrificial offerings without providing any kind of services in exchange. In the written lawsuit, the convict had put God as resident in heaven and as represented by the Orthodox Church in Romania. And the prosecutor's office in Timisoara turned down the case, arguing that God is not a person in the eyes of the law and does not have a legal residence. And so the case was dismissed. Now, we read that and we laugh, and yet, and yet, how often have we had the attitude of this poor, confused, deluded Romanian? Have you ever wondered, what is God doing in my life? Have you ever said to God, God, I don't understand why things are the way in my life right now. Anybody experience that? God, I don't get it. I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense. Well, I want to tell you about a man who was born some 3,750 years ago. His name is Joseph. It's a gripping story, a story where justice prevails in the end. And it's such a moving story that uh, Steven Spielberg of DreamWorks, he created a, a movie called Joseph, King of Dreams, Andrew Lloyd, Weber came up, Andrew Lloyd Webber came up with a, a musical entitled Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. It's a, it's, a, it's a compelling story. And the thing that we, we see in the story, more than anything, is how God had his hand upon this young man and how God's purpose prevailed. And this morning, that's exactly what I'm hoping will happen in your heart, that you will see the hand of God in your life 
And that you will see how God is, in fact, prevailing in your life. Because this morning, you may have come here wondering, where is God? God doesn't seem to be answering my prayers. Things don't seem to be working out right. But I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for your life. And although it may seem as though God's nowhere around, he's there. He's with you. And he's promised never to leave you and never to forsake you. So here's, let's, let's go back now some, some 3,700 years ago. Joseph was the son of Jacob, one of the patriarchs. He was, jo- Jacob was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. You know these, these names very well. And Joseph was one of, uh, of 12 brothers. In fact, he was his father's favorite son because he was born to Jacob in his old age and, and he was the son of his favorite wife, Rachel. Now, because of this great love that Jacob had for Joseph, he created a beautiful, richly ornamented robe of many colors for him. And when his brothers saw how the father had given him this beautiful garment and how they, in fact, got nothing, they became, understandably, insanely jealous. Now, if that were not enough, Joseph gets these dreams where his brothers in the dreams are bowing down to him. And he doesn't have just one dream. He's got two dreams like that. In fact, not just his brothers, but the whole family. And Joseph, rather than being wise and keeping it to himself, especially since he's wearing this beautiful coat and his brothers are jealous already, he goes and tells his brothers, guys, guess what? Someday you're all going to bow down to me. Isn't that cool? Don't you just love that? Come on, guys. Don't you, don't you just want to bow down to me, your youngest brother, the beloved brother? It only makes sense that you would bow down to me since I'm loved most by dad, right? They hate his guts. They want to kill him. In fact, they're about to do just that. He's uh, been sent out by his dad to check on his brothers. And when Joseph arrives, his brothers decide, yeah, they're going to do him in. One of the brothers, having a bit more sense, but not much more, decides to throw Joseph into a pit. And he thinks to himself, well, later on when the brothers cool off, I'll go and rescue him and bring him home to dad. But what happens is that while... While that older brother's not around, the younger brothers sell Joseph to the slave traders from Egypt. Reuben comes back and sees that his youngest brother is gone and he's devastated. Now what's he going to tell his dad? What they do is they take the, the richly ornamented coat of many colors, they slaughter an animal and put blood all over it, and then they tell her dad, look, Joseph, our youngest brother, has been, been, been killed by a wild animal. The father, of course, goes into mourning, and Joseph goes into slavery in Egypt. He arrives in Egypt, and he is purchased by Potiphar, who is the, uh, he's Pharaoh's captain of the guard. And Joseph rises quickly to a position of prominence in that household, actually running the whole house. And the Bible says that because Joseph is there, Everything that Joseph touched was blessed by God. And so Potiphar's house was greatly blessed by God. And here's this young man, away from his family, forced to learn a new language, forced to learn a new culture. He's there now in this strange land, serving in this well-to-do man's home. 
One day Potiphar, and you know the story, goes away for a time, and Potiphar's wife takes a fancy to the young man and tries to seduce him. And rather than allowing himself to be seduced, he runs out the door with part of his garment left in Potiphar's wife's hand. And Potiphar's wife thinking, "Uh uh-oh, now what do I do? Either I suffer or he's going to suffer. And she thinks to herself, I'm not suffering. So what does she do? She tells a a falsehood. She, She lies about Joseph and says, Joseph, in fact, tried to seduce her. Joseph is thrown into prison. Now think about this for a moment. If anybody had a reason to say, God, I don't understand what's going on here. It's Joseph. You give me these dreams, God, and my brothers beat me up. They throw me in a pit. They sail me and sell me into slavery. I just get into a nice position in this home in Egypt, and then I'm getting accused of rape, and now I'm in prison. God, where are you, and what are you doing? Have you asked those questions? God, where are you, and what are you doing? Well, Joseph is in prison, and some of you, again, know the story. He's there not very long before the officials in the prison begin to recognize his skills, his abilities, his talents. And Joseph rises to a position of prominence in the prison where finally he's actually running the prison. While he's in prison, two of, the, two of Pharaoh's chief servants, the cupbearer and the baker, are thrown into prison along with him. And they both have dreams. And they ask, Does any, can anybody help us interpret these dreams? And in fact, Joseph says, well, I'm able to interpret dreams. And... Long story short, the cupbearer would live and the baker would die. And the Bible says the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And so Joseph carried on in prison. God, I don't understand. Where are you and what are you doing? My life just doesn't seem to make sense right now. It's all falling apart. I pray every day, but where are you? It's not making sense. And then one day... Pharaoh has a dream. And absolutely no one in the land can interpret his dream. And then suddenly the cupbearer says, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Joseph in prison interpreted my dream. And so what happens is Pharaoh sends for Joseph and Joseph interprets the dreams. And you know the dream? The dream very simply says this, that the land of Egypt is going to experience seven years of incredible produce and, and harvest and, and riches and wealth. And, and then there'll be seven years of famine. And so Pharaoh, being the wise man that he is, he says, okay, Joseph, you are going to be number two in the land from now on. You're, just, you're answerable to me, and everybody in this land is answerable to you now. And you are going to be responsible now for taking care of us through this difficult time. Wow. Joseph was, was saying, God, I don't understand. And now suddenly, he's a new number two man in all the world. And the story goes that Joseph led Egypt through the times of good harvest and then through the times of famine to the point that Joseph's own family ended up coming to Egypt to, re, to get food to survive these famine years. 
Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to you for a moment. Because Joseph is, first of all, nicely and comfortably in the family. Then he's in the pit. And then he's into captivity. And then he's into prison. And now he's in the number two position in the land. God, I don't understand. I don't understand. Now, I'm going to ask you this question this morning. You know the answer. Had God forsaken Joseph through his difficult times? It's tempting to think that, isn't it? Had God turned his face away from Joseph and let Joseph sit there and rot? No. God had a plan. And listen to me. His plan was greater than Joseph. And you're here today wondering maybe where is God? Why isn't God answering my prayers? And how come things aren't working out for me? And how come things are falling apart in my life? And how come I got problems in my family, in my marriage? How come I got problems at work? God has a plan and he's developing you for his purposes. You know that today? God is developing you for his purposes. So I want us to take a look this morning at the ways that he's developing you and me. First of all, God develops skills in Joseph. And that's what God wants to do in you and me. He allows us to go through the difficult times in order to develop skills in us, skills that we could never imagine that we would need. Joseph was appointed by God to literally, listen to me, literally save the world. Joseph had no idea that God had that plan in store for him. And you're sitting here today, and you have no idea. You cannot see the future. You don't know what God has in store for you. But I can tell you this. God does have a plan for your life and does want to do things with you and in you and through you. And the only way that that can happen is by putting you in places and positions where you will learn his skills. Now, I want you to see what Jesus says here. Would you read that with me? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Can we just stop there for a moment? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Most of us never, don't pay any attention to that word learn. But how many know today that that's exactly what God wants to do? He wants you to learn from Jesus because God wants you to be like his son, Jesus. Did you know that that's the most important thing that God is doing in your life right now? He's teaching you how to be like his son. That's what God's will is for you. And so we find in, in Joseph's life that God's, God's teaching him. And God says this, Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Can I just say this to you today? You're going through a difficult time right now. The, the thing that you're going to be tempted to do is to run away to get away from those things that make you uncomfortable, those things that are difficult for you to face. You're going to be tempted to, to get away. And God's saying, no, don't run. Stay where you are and learn. Stay where you are and grow. Stay where you are and be developed. Learn the skills that you are going to need. And boy, did Joseph need skills. He needed to learn a new language. He needed to learn a new culture. He needed to learn leadership skills. He needed to learn administration skills and more administration skills. He needed to learn the etiquette of the ruling class. He had to learn 
dream interpretation. All this happened, my friends, while Joseph was in deep, hot water. That's where the learning came, when he was in the fire, when he was in the pit. And I'm sure that Joseph only saw his immediate troubles. But I want you to know this today. God saw a bigger plan. He saw the needs of the world. And he needed to prepare and plan and train this young man, Joseph, for his purposes. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because that's exactly what God wants to do in your life right now. You're going through a hard time, but God's saying, listen, don't give up, don't run away, don't quit. I'm not finished with you yet. i got work for you to do. And so we need to learn, to learn from God. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that God is gentle and humble and, and, and that we find rest for our souls in him. Listen to me, if you're trying to find rest for your soul in your circumstances, in your surroundings, in the people in your life, then you're running to the wrong source. You need to run to Jesus. He's the only source of peace and joy and happiness. You need to run to him. And there you will learn the skills that you need to do the work God wants you to do. You know what? I, I, um, some of you know I, have got two, I had two grandmothers. One was a Christian woman. The other one was not a Christian woman. The Christian grandmother was, uh, was sweet, gentle, loving. Uh, I always enjoyed being in her presence. The other grandmother was a kind that used to play mind games. Does anybody know anybody like that that plays mind games with you? My grandmother was extremely up and down and moody. You'd never know when you came knocking on the door if she was going to smile at you, greet you, or just sit there with her head hanging down saying, what do you want? Imagine going to see your grandmother and she says, what do you want? <laughs> or doesn't say anything at all. And you try to talk to her and you try to cajole her. You try to joke with her a little bit. You try to be nice to her. Do you need anything? Oh, Grandma, please talk to me. I had a grandma like that. And I cannot understand why I would have to have a grandmother like that who never encouraged me, never said, Al, I'm so glad you're a minister of the gospel. Nothing like that. She, she ridiculed it, made fun of it. And you know what? I look back now and I recognize that having a grandmother like that developed certain skills in me that made it possible for me to, to read people and to understand people. And these skills have been absolutely invaluable as a pastor. I can, I can clue in, I can tune in almost instantly to a way a person's feeling or what a person's thinking. I'm not, I'm not perfect at it, but I can tell you this. God allowed that difficulty in my life for a reason. And God will do the same thing for you. And so God developed the skills in Joseph that Joseph would need in order to save the world. And I'm going to tell you, saving the world has got great, great ramifications, which I'll share with you in just a moment. But the, the other thing that God had to develop in Joseph was good character. Look, look what it says there. Not only, let's read this together. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, there's a new religion in North America that says that it is not God's will for Christians to suffer, even though Paul plainly says that God uses sufferings to develop us. Now, I want you to recognize today, whether you've got good character or not will determine what you can do in life. Listen to what one person said. Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, 
for they become character. Listen to this. Watch your character, for they become your destiny. Your character will determine what it is that you do or don't do, what you can do or what you can't do in life. Poor Joseph, in the pit, sold into slavery, brought into a new land, tempted by Potiphar's wife, wrongly accused, punished, reputation is tarnished, reduced to nothing, in prison and forgotten. And God says, this is exactly, Joseph, where I need you to be. This is exactly what I want for your life right now. And so next time you think God's nowhere around, that God's forgotten about you, stop and recognize that God is doing a work in you. He's developing your character to make you more godly, more Christ-like. And I want you to know some today. Joseph's character was sufficiently developed in that prison, in that pit, in that new land. It was sufficiently developed enough that he was able to go on and rule Egypt and meet the needs of the whole world. Remember his dreams, his family bowing down? Well, his dreams did come true eventually, didn't they? They did come and bow down when they needed food. But notice that his character was developed. And rather than picking up a sword and chopping off all their heads because they deserved it, he says, I recognize God's hand at work here. Now, I want you to see something today. Before God can use you and me, he has to to develop us. He has to make us strong. Before we could see our dreams come true, we need to have good characters to sustain us. So when those dreams do come true, we don't self-destruct. How many, how many famous people do you know who the minute they see their dreams come true, the minute they raise to a position of prominence, they self-destruct? Anybody remember Bill Clinton? Again, you've heard me say this before. I'm, he's a, he's, he was actually a very skilled, very able politician, a very able leader, and he did good for the country. Some would, would, would deny that, but it, it is a historical fact. But how will people remember him? They will remember him as a man who had poor character. That's what will define his life. So I'm going to say this to you today. Rather than being angry at God, rather than saying, God, you're nowhere around, you've forgotten about me, say, God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I rejoice in my sufferings because I know that suffering will produce perseverance in me and perseverance will develop good character in me. What does it mean to be a person of good character? It means you don't lie, you don't cheat, you don't steal. It means that you don't, you don't take revenge. It means that you have the right attitude. That's what we're talking about when we talk about good attitude. It means that you're a person who's dependable, that people look up to, that people trust. That's what it means to have good character. And I'm telling you, God develops character in you by putting you through a fire. And if you're going through a fire right now, then rejoice because God's got something great for you. Well, not only does God develop great skills and good character, but he develops faith in this man. And look what it says here in Genesis 50, 20. This is, this is Joseph talking to his, his wretched brothers who sold him into slavery because they were jealous and angry at him. And he says this, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now because this is what true faith is. It trusts that God knows what he's doing in your life, in your family, in your marriage, at your workplace, in your church. 
People have been nasty to you. People have been mean to you. You're tempted to hold a grudge. You're tempted to get even. You're tempted to put them down. You're tempted to walk away from them. You're tempted to, 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 to drop the friendship. And Joseph, man of great faith, whose faith has been developed in the furnace of affliction and suffering, he says, you intended to harm me, but God had a different plan, a much greater plan. His faith was tested to the max. And I'm telling you, my friends, he had every reason to lose faith. I mean, his brothers attacked him and rejected him. He was sold into slavery. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. False accusations, falsely imprisoned, forgotten. And my friends, through it all, listen to me, through it all, He kept his eyes on God, and his faith grew stronger. Every time he was able to withstand and persevere and get through the difficulty, the fire, the struggling, his faith became that much stronger. I love this description of Joseph's relationship with God in Genesis 39, 20 to 23. It says this, while Joseph, but Joseph, while there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness. And granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now, can I just remind you this morning (laughs) that Joseph is actually in prison when these things have been written. And you and I would be tempted to say that proof of God at work, proof of God working on Joseph's behalf would be to to deliver him of the prison right away. Give us the answer to prayer right now. Let us see the miracle happen right now. How many know today that miracles don't happen when you snap your fingers or when you say the, the magic formula? That's not how God works. God has his own timetable. He has his own clock. He has his own way of doing things. And know this. That what you want is you want the presence of God wherever you are, whether times are good or whether times are not good. But know this, that's where the development of your faith takes place. Let me just close with this. God used Joseph to, to save the world. And saving the world, listen to this, Joseph was used to save his family. In saving his family, Joseph was used by God to save the Messianic line because it was through the line of Abraham that the Messiah would come to this world. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. God raised up Joseph for things that Joseph knew nothing about. And you know what? You may very well go to your grave and not have a clue of what it is or what it was that God did in your life or did through you. But you understand this today. When you stand before Jesus someday, the thing that's going to matter to him or to matter to God is not not what great things in your estimation that you did, but whether or not you did his will. Joseph, I'm sure, never fully understood that he was the one used by God to preserve the messianic line, the line of Abraham through which Jesus would come to this world. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because God is doing things and wants to do things in your life that you know nothing about. He calls you 
to trust him. And so the next time you're in crisis, don't panic. Don't run away. You just tell God that you don't understand and then listen to what he has to say. And then say with Joseph, what Satan meant for evil, God meant for good. Let's watch this video clip right now.